Hey, what's going on, good people? It's Gardner Douglas, the Oyster Ninja. This is um, the Oyster Ninja podcast, and we're talking to Miss Rachel from Precious Oysters. And this is take two. That's right. Uh, first, the first bit got lost or stolen. Hmm. Damn these. Um, what's going on, Rachel? How are you? I'm doing well. Um... Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster lately in terms of just big life questions, big life things. You know, where's my business going? Where's my life going in general? And I feel like from where we were when we last spoke, which was just about a year ago, I think. Almost um, a year, yeah. Yeah, things have stayed the same, but also changed quite a bit. So, um, you know, same before we were chatting here and recording that um, I think this is coming at a really good time, our conversation, to kind of just help me get some clarity on, on what I'm doing these days. Well, <laughs> like I'm I know glad. you want to talk to me, but I want to talk to you too. So. I'm glad uh, the podcast does that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Brings <for> clarity. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so uh, like I was saying, Rachel is the owner of uh, Precious Oyster, which is a oyster catering business. And uh, Rachel, tell, just tell us about uh, the catering. Yeah, so it's, I call it tied to table raw bar catering. And so what I'm hoping to do with that kind of tagline is to communicate to people kind of like the farm to table movement, but this is tied to table. So it's all about um, telling the story of oysters from beginning to end. So, and which is my background um, in farming. I was farming for about five years, oysters and clams. And um, I'm hoping to just tell the story about tied to table you know, talk to people about when I do my events, I talk about how oysters are grown, how they're harvested, you know, talk about water quality and ocean conservation. I, I'm hoping that that line tied to table, it kind of ties everything together. Um, and what I think makes my business unique compared to um, maybe some others in the area is that with my background, it's more than just a raw bar. It's really telling people about like the amazing story behind these creatures that are delicious and, you know, eye catching, but also they're they're such, they're such an interesting creature. They tell us so much about the ocean and our surroundings. Um, so that's what I hope to communicate when I do my raw bars is ultimately I want people to care about the ocean through eating delicious fresh oysters and clams. Yeah, that's so huge, um, having that knowledge behind, um, you know, just a oyster shucker or getting that job done. Um, and I, I really feel that's gonna, you know, push you ahead compared to other oyster catering companies because a lot of times they they're great shuckers but they don't really know the backstory of what's going on uh, at oyster farms um, how oysters are grown and all of that good stuff so mm-hmm. for, the, for, for the average person who comes up to you and they want some delicious oysters um, how are oysters grown or what's one way because there's so many different ways um, oysters can be grown so what would you tell a customer yeah. or a person coming up about ready to indulge so the first thing I tell people is I'm not an expert at all. I'm an enthusiast. I'm an oyster enthusiast. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but I'm I'm actually still learning stuff almost every day about about oysters themselves, but also um, like shucking, for example. So I've I've been shucking one way for years, but this past winter I started working at a restaurant, kind of just for some side work, and the chef there showed me how he shucks, and I'm like, all right, yeah, let me let me try that out, and I I loved it. Like so, I always shuck in my hand. Um, obviously I know how to shuck on a table, but I just never do it really. Um, but I watched his technique and I kind of like monkey see monkey do, I copied what he did. And I was like, oh, this is actually, this kind of (laughs) works. And so that was, 
you know, I've learned a whole new way of shucking and I've learned about so many different kinds of oysters just in the past few months. And so people, I always tell them, I'm not an expert, I'm an enthusiast. Um, so from there, I tell people, you know, if they want it, you ask, like if people ask me about how they're grown, um, then I say to them, well, how much time do you have? Because <laughs> how much time do you have? Like pull up a chair, let's, let's talk right, for right. a while. It, there's just so many, I mean, I tell people basically it's bottom culture and off bottom culture, right? Um, we start there. And then as I'm talking to them, I actually show them like, for example, I usually use um, Norwalk blue points, typically at Cops Island and they do bottom culture. And so I'll show them, you know, hold up the oyster and say like, see how, how thick and sturdy the shell is. And it like tells the story of the ocean in its shell. Like there's little things stuck to it. There's, you know, algae and stuff. And then I might, if I have a different variety with me, um, like an off bottom cultured one, then I'll say, see this shell here, it looks a little different. It's a little more delicate. And um, so it's really visual and engaging and educational um, as, I'm, as I'm talking. So yeah, I start basically with telling people, okay, there's two kinds of farming. And, but then within that, you know, bottom culture, off bottom, within that they can blend as many different ways as you want. You, see, you, know, you could start on the bottom, then do off bottom. You can start in trays and bags and switch to buy. It's just, it's, I tell them that every farmer has their own way of doing things. And that's what makes this industry so, so amazing is that every oyster is different. You know, people say, are these blue points? And I'm like, it's such a broad term these days, blue points. Um, you know, because, you know, with blue points, they're, like I'm saying, raised in so many different ways. They can, each blue we, point can we talk different. about that? Can we talk about the legend behind blue point? Like, that's yeah. one of the most controversial, I think, oyster um, topics is, uh, uh -oh. it's just, um, like, blue points, like, um, you know, every oyster eater knows oysters, right? They know, or they think they know oysters. And the first thing they ask is, are these blue points? And like, even when I'm doing like uh, events, it's kind of sometimes irritating when people ask for blue points because they want blue points, but they don't really understand that if, like you said, it's broad, you know, it's, it, could be, it could be an area. It's not just a certain oyster. And what I love um, about, uh, Cops Island is it's a Blue Point oyster, the region, but you know they put a another name to it. So you're not just looking for now a Blue Point oyster. You're looking for Cops Island, which is from the Blue Point area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm surprised people because you're down in the D.C. area, right? I'm down in D.C., but everywhere, like whether it's South West Coast, everybody knows and love Blue Point oysters. That's funny. So I tell people from just from what I've heard and read, I'm sure everybody's got their own their own spin on it. But from what I've heard is there was one original farm in the town or city of Blue Point, Long Island, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and they made they created such beautiful oysters that other farmers at the time started calling theirs Blue Points. So then Blue Point kind of became this generic term for oysters from that that area. Um, um, I tell people, because they ask me, are these blue points? And I say, yes, they're blue points, but that's um, a pretty generic term. And I say within blue points, there can be such a broad, such a variety, because for example, I can have a Norwalk blue point and a Mystic blue point, and they're both from Connecticut. They're both blue points, but based on, you know, the water flow, the salinity, the algae, where in the water column they're being grown, how they're being handled, um, how they're being harvested and given to you, these all can influence the oyster, the, the flavor profile, the look, uh, the whole experience, right? Um, 
So what I do is I tell people these are blue points, but they're specifically, and then fill in the blank, specifically Cops Island, specifically Stella Mar, specifically Stratford, whatever. Um, and so I'm trying to help people to get away from that term of blue points by, by encouraging them to refer to the actual farm that they're from and the actual variety. And I, I also tell people in our industry, we have like wine has terroir, well, we have marijuana. So, you know, the ocean, the substrate, the water flow, all these different things influence oysters just in the same way that all those different factors influence grapes and wine. So we have marijuana, which I think us industry folks talk about all the time. Thank you so much for putting the work in. Oh my God. Um, only because like, even when I was doing this uh, event a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, that's, that's the first question that everybody asks, um, are these blue points? And, uh, I don't even think I was shucking uh, Connecticut or anything. I think it was actually West Coast Oyster I was shucking, but just, you know, breaking it down, you know, to them. I still give them a little educational piece. And like you say, you know, it sets us apart from like, you know, the average oyster shucker, the average raw bar um, experience. Um, so starting like your raw bar catering type thing, what, what, what was the inspiration behind that? So... Um, it's funny we're talking about this because I'm actually I'm applying for a grant right now and they want to know the, the story of my company and so I was just writing about this last night about how this all started and um, it was just I can remember I can remember the specific day and where I was and it was back in um, 2000 I think 2016 was my first oyster job um, I was out in the boat one day it was like sun was coming up, the boat was rocking. I'd had too many beers the night before. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Where am I, <laughs> what am I? Cause I had just come from, I moved out of New York city where I was doing wedding planning and construction and all these random jobs. And then found myself working on an oyster boat, but I'm sitting there, sun's coming up thinking about my life. And then my boss hands me this oyster that he just pulled out of the water and he hands me this funny looking tool. And I'm like, what is this? He's like, that's a shucking knife. I'm like, what the hell is a shucking knife? <laughs> and he showed me how to open an oyster that we had just pulled out of the water and, uh, and I ate it. And it was just such a cool experience um, that I thought to myself, it would be so great if I could someday do this for other people and share my story about oyster farming and what a cool little industry this is. Um, that was 2016, like I said. And then I spent the next couple of years just working on different farms and just being deeply, deeply entrenched in the industry. Um, but I still always had this thought in my head of like, I wish I could share this with people. Um, and then I just got better at shucking just kind of for fun at home with me and my friends. And then uh, somebody asked me one day, I was at a farmer's market and they're like, hey, we're looking for a, a, an oyster shucker for a party we're having. And I'm like, well, I can shuck oysters and I have oysters and I used to be a wedding planner. So I know how to throw a party. So <laughs> I just kind of, I kind of just bluffed. I was like, yeah, I, I could, I could do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> when and where I'll be there. And then, right. <laughs> and then you know, I get there with my oysters, my ice and my table and I had no plates. I had forgotten plates. And I'm like, mom, can you help? <laughs> she came down and gave me plates and, and the event was a hit. It was great. It was only like 25 people, but they were so excited to have me there and telling my stories about being on the farm and all that. Um, and then it just kind of, kind of grew from there. How has a wedding planner helped to elevate your oyster catering? And well, I'll get to the next next one. Uh, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, well, it's something I talk about a lot um, 
the guy who taught me how to, sh how to shuck, his name is Steve the Shucker. I've known him for years. I have no idea what his last name is. He's just Steve the Shucker. <laughs> and everybody in this industry is either a Bob, Steve, or John. So he's just Steve the Shucker. Um, but he taught me when I was learning how to shuck, he said, you know, food meets your eyes before your belly. And it's all about presentation. And so that kind of brought me back to my experience with wedding planning, where it's all about you know, are things clean and, and eye-catching and engaging? And do they, does, does your table, does your area draw people to you? Or do they not even notice you? Or do they look at you and they're like, ooh. Because you got to, especially with raw seafood, you got to keep things very, you know, pleasing to the eye. Because people are a little like, oh, I don't know about this. Um, so yeah, be, and also with wedding planning, like knowing how to write a contract, knowing how to do invoices, proposals, following up, like the kind of nitty gritty behind the scenes admin stuff, which is, something that I'm doing today. We were texting before and I was like, oh, it's, it's a computer day. <laughs> you know, I miss, I miss the days of being out on the farm 24 seven, but nowadays I get to do my fun events, but it comes with the cost of having a day or two of having to sit at my computer, answer Ooh. people that I forgot to respond to, yep. <laughs> fix invoices that I missed like a comma or a period, which changes mm -hmm. a number from one thing to another number. <laughs> so yeah, the wedding planning stuff definitely helped with the helps a lot with the back end, but also with the front end of just like knowing how to throw a nice event, you know? So if you could give, uh, let's say three to five tips of the perfect oyster party, what do you need? Ooh, perfect oyster party. Um, keep things as clean as possible at all times. And I know it's hard because shucking is messy, but I try to keep my shucking, actual shucking area contained like and out of sight. Like I have my, my ice box and, the, and the shucked oysters in front of me and I'll shuck kind of behind it. So obviously you want people to see you working, but they don't, you don't want them to see like the oyster juices everywhere and the, the shell bits and stuff like that. So um, keeping things clean. Um, I have a couple talking points. Like I've done hundreds of events by this point and people tend to have the same questions. Um, so just know, start to notice what people ask you. And there's some things that hit home, some things that don't hit home. Like with my, my background in farming and my experience definitely helps me a lot. And people are super interested in what I have to say, but sometimes they get kind of like too technical. <laughs> so people, you can see that they're interested, but they don't really know what you're talking about. And they're like, mm, right. mm -hmm, nice. Right. Well, thank you. And they, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, know your audience, I think is a big thing. Yeah. Um, have a couple talking points and, um, what else? I like to have a couple things on the table that are obviously decorative. Like there, a, a couple of decorative things that are obviously eye-catching and look nice, but also something that I can talk about. So, like, hey, this shell I got from this place, and here's what it, you know, here's the story behind the shell. Because um, I've done a lot of events. Sometimes I'll be um, like subcontracted by another caterer, and they just they just hire me to show up with my oyster knife, and they'll do the whole presentation, which is great, but you know, a lot of times they have things in their tables that are like crazy coral from like, it's beautiful, but it's like clearly not. Like my thing is all about local and sustainable. So yeah, everything on the table is, is super authentic. Um, so yeah, have, have some talking points on your table, things to, um, to engage people with. Um, always know what's going into your sauces. Like if you buy things from the store, make sure you know the ingredients because you don't want somebody getting sick or allergic to what you got. Um, if you make homemade sauces, again, be careful what you put in there. Sometimes it's fun to play around, try new ingredients, but um, sometimes people just like the classic cocktail sauce, the classic mignonette. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's huge. 
Yeah. And um, I like, I keep everything self-contained. One thing I think helps my clients a lot, or one thing that they like about my company is that somebody once described me as the oyster fairy, that I just came on in with everything I need, did my thing, cleaned up. And it was like, I was never even there. No right, shelf right. left behind. I always bring a floor mat because nobody wants oyster juices on their oriental rug. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think cleanliness is my number one thing. Okay, cool. So I feel like you get a on the uh, on the catering side, but if I'm a person and I'm planning a party, what are three things that I need or, or I need to think about? For you as the as a host? If I'm a host and I'm planning an oyster party, what what are mm -hmm. like some common things that I think or that you think that people don't really um, think about or that are overlooked or anything like that? Oh, for sure. Um, lighting, number one. I can't tell you how many parties I've done, but my, my host will be like, there's your area. And it's great for the first hour of the event and the sun right. goes down. And I'm just like, I'm like, I can work. To be honest, I can work in any kind of conditions, but it makes my job 10 times harder if I have to like, if there's shadows and I can't, like I'm super, super uptight about, um, I, don't want, I don't want any shell in my oysters. Like I am very particular about cleanliness with the, with the shucking. Um, no, I don't want to see, I don't want any grit, any sand or any shell in there. So if there's no proper lighting, I can't see. Right. Um, so it takes longer because I will, I would rather have a nicely, <laughs> perfectly shucked oyster yeah. and take longer than just crank them out and get right. them out. I want to see people picking shell. I hate that. Right, right. <laughs> so lighting is number one. Um, also something I've learned the hard way is asking clients like, hey, if this is, for example, a party in March, I'll, I'll ask people, my client, Am I going to be stationed inside or outside? Well, I used to ask that, but nowadays I say, hmm, if it's any time before April 15th, I'm not going outside. It's too cold up here because my gloves get wet instantly and then cold. <laughs> so I used to ask clients, am I going to be inside or outside? Now I say, I'm not doing outside. It's too cold. Either you give me a, a heat lamp or I'm going to be inside somewhere. I think you're a ball now. What's that? You're a ball. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to <laughs> ground rules. Um, I mean, that's honestly been something that's been on my mind a lot lately with my business is, is growing. I've got a lot of opportunities and stuff coming my way and I'm trying to keep up with all this business and not, but at the same time, not lose sight of, of my, you know, what it is that makes my business so special, which is, you know, I'm super niche. I'm very, I, you know, boutique is what mm -hmm. I call my company. Um, and it means having certain standards and not just saying yes to everything and yes to everybody. I used to be like, sure, I'll go in your backyard and at nine o'clock at night in February. Sure. Right. No, <laughs> and I'll, no, I'll be inside and this is how long I'm working for. And here's what I need from you as the client. And just kind of like being a little bit more, um, I don't know, having a backbone, I guess. <laughs> so not that women don't have a background. I'm a backbone because you obviously are doing some non-gender uh, jobs, you know what I mean? Like you're doing male-dominated jobs. Um, so how has been, uh, you know, a, a female working on the oyster farm, doing the catering, uh, being the oyster shucker? Um, how has that been? People ask me that all the time. And I don't really have a really concise good answer for that just yet, because I've just, I've, mostly only works in male dominated industries. So farming, construction, carpentry. Um, and then, so when I say farming, I mean like vegetable farming. Um, I've worked in vineyards a whole bunch. So very manual hands-on labor intensive jobs. 
I've just always gravitated towards and they just happen to usually be male dominated. Um, so it's something I've just, I've just gotten used to that I don't really notice it much anymore. But um, people do tell me all the time, especially when I do my shucking events, people are like, wow, a little lady behind the bar shucking oysters. I'm like, first of all, I'm not little. <laughs> I have muscles. <laughs> so, um, you know, so people, yeah, it's, I can't really deny it anymore. Like, okay, yes, I am a woman shucking oysters. And I know, I understand. Yeah. But I guess, you know, if I do take a step back and, and think about things, um, I think sometimes when I look back on like my oyster farming experiences or construction and carpentry, I think there have definitely been things that I've been a little more hesitant to to try or put myself out there because I don't want to mess up and fail in front of all these guys who are kind of anticipating that I'll mess up. <laughs> you know, and I've, like I've noticed maybe my male coworkers will get more chances to do something. For example, like driving a forklift. The first couple of times I tried to do it, my bosses would be like, oh, that's cute. Look at you not being able to do it. That's all right. Get out. Yeah, we'll get it. And then a guy would hop in and he'd mess it up and run things over and break ship. It's like, okay, he'll, he'll figure it out. It's like, well, right. I didn't get a chance to figure it out. It was just cute. And then you took me away. Like, can I not okay. run over some things? <laughs> Have some fun and learn how to do it. So, um, but I just, I don't know, keep at it. And if people, if they give me more than one chance, then I, I tend to impress them and, and stick around. Cool. Yeah. Um, what's the hardest thing you ever had to do on oyster farm? Ooh, hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, that's a big question. I mean, I know everything is easy after you, you know, you get it, but like initially, like learning how to do something, what was the hardest for you? It's, honestly, I think it's just the cold. I don't mm. do well in the cold. And I, when I think back to some of the days on the farms, like being out in the boats and they would go out, unless it's like super high winds, rain, snow, doesn't matter. The boats go out. And I just remember one day wearing like three pairs of gloves, 10 pairs of pants and sweatshirts and being out there. And my fingers were just stiff. I couldn't move them. And I was just, oh, was, I think just dealing with the cold has been my biggest struggle, to be honest. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, things like not having bathrooms on boats is sometimes a struggle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think. And just also just learning to find my, you know, be confident and find my my own voice sometimes and I'm often hesitant to ask for help when I need it because I don't want to look like just the weak little girl you know right. you know so I'll definitely push myself too hard sometimes where I could just ask for help um so that's been a struggle of like learning to say hey yeah I do need help carrying that that's really heavy I'm kind of little so <laughs> a little bit um yeah. <laughs> so uh finding your voice as you as you just said um you just had an article published is that correct yeah so i write for a local magazine so edible edible is a nationwide publication but each region has their own um specific branch so i do edible i write for edible nutmeg which is southwestern connecticut and it typically focuses on food and sustainability and local businesses um so i just wrote an article about a restaurant called bloodroot um but a few years ago I think it was about two years ago they actually had me write a little article about myself and my experiences in farming and my catering. But yeah, I love writing. It's it's um it's something that I wish could I could turn into a career, but um it takes it's a really competitive world, the writing world. Um so I just kind of do it for fun. Okay, that's cool. Um so as far as writing, like 
how do you find, uh, I want to say inspiration, or do you just wait for them to come to you and say, hey, we want you to talk about this, that? It's well, it's kind of both. So I'm pretty um, pretty good friends with the editor now of that, of that publication. And he sometimes says, hey, Rach, we've got this topic we'd love for you to cover. Other times he says, hey, we, we'd love to have you in the next issue. Do you have any ideas? And I'll pitch some stuff. And um, sometimes it's all garbage. And he's like, no, I don't like any of that. Let's try something new. Um, but I've been, um, I've been, so I grew up in Westport, Connecticut, and I've traveled a whole, whole bunch and lived in California and New York and Australia. But I've, I came back home a couple of years ago to start this oyster farming stuff. And I've kind of becoming reintegrated into my own community has reminded me of how many amazing connections I have. Like I'm deeply integrated in the food community, the farming community here, um, the like yoga world. So I know people in all these different places in my town and community. Um, and that allows me to tap into some pretty interesting inter um, subjects and topics for, for articles as I just have such a great network here. So even like the, um, the volunteering part, um, what was that, the Surf Rider? Surf Rider, yeah, Surf Rider. Yeah. So let's talk about Surf Rider a little bit. Yeah. How does so that work? So I'm the vice chair of the Connecticut chapter. It's um, an international nonprofit. Well, it's not. It's a, a little tricky. It's a national nonprofit, but there are branches in other countries. I don't know the correct terminology, but um, I'm the vice chair of the Connecticut chapter, and we focus on a whole different area, a whole different bunch of area, whole bunch of areas. Um, plastic pollution, uh, offshore oil drilling. We do um, protecting public access to beaches and um, so we're a pretty small chapter. We have just um, me and a handful of other volunteers that, that run our chapter. And we try to do uh, beach cleanups. Um, hard, it was hard during the pandemic to get our beach cleanups going, just like so much red tape with COVID. Um, so we're trying to get those going again. But it's just, it ties really well into my, my career in the oyster industry because you gotta have clean water to have oysters and oysters help clean the water. So it's kind of, you know, nice relationship there. Um, but I can also tell stories from the front lines, you know, like I would be down back when I was raising the baby oysters on the, uh, with the upwellers, I would tell stories at my beach cleanups about like, Hey guys, when I was working on the farm yesterday with my upwellers, I pulled all these plastic bags out of the pumps, or I have to scoop styrofoam out of my baskets. And, you know, as I can really, the both worlds complement each other well, because when I'm on the farm, I see all this plastic pollution, for example, and it helps me tap more into what I'm doing. And when I do my cleanups, I can tell people, hey, here's the impact you're having. And here's why what you're doing is important because you're helping, for example, the oyster industry. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. So you may have mentioned that you had some questions for the oyster ninja. Um, yeah. So um, I'm just curious as somebody who's growing their business and going through what I feel like are growing pains of keeping my eye on the prize and remembering what keeps me excited and what I'm passionate about, but also, you know, how can I turn my passion into a career? I mean, you do Oyster Ninja as, as your kind of passion project, or is this something that you've, you're turning into a, a career for yourself? Well, um, it's strictly passion now until I have like, because like, let's, let's just say the podcast, right? podcast is where the Oyster Ninja started. I had the catering part of it already, uh, which is SS Shucking. Um, and then the podcast, Oyster Ninja podcast, people just started calling me the Oyster Ninja. Um, so it is passion now because I would say um, 
I don't have any sponsors. Um, well, I'm working on one and I had one back in January, but that kind of fell through. So I'll say passion because I'm not getting paid. I'm not making money. Um, but of course the, the, the shucking, the catering part, you know, I make a few dollars, um, but it's, I have a day job also. So, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not, you know, taking care of my lifestyle or anything, but, uh, I feel like if I keep pushing, if I keep doing the right things, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who believe in like the stars and the universe. And mm -hmm. if you keep pushing that, what you want, you keep working on your dreams that eventually happen. Um, it's so, I'm trying to tie myself up and that's why talking to you is really important for me right now is yeah so I just keep I keep working as if this is what I do you know this is what I want to do full time so um, I don't stress over a lot I don't stress over not getting gigs anymore I don't stress over um, not being able to get on projects because I might not get on this project but I'll get on another it's just, it's, it's just, I've been so um, blessed and fortunate um, about, you know, getting in articles or TV commercials or ads or whatever. Not like you, because you're a superstar. I didn't even bring that up this time. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to let it go. Okay. Um, but, you know, just stuff like that, it, it keeps motivating me. All right, you're doing something right, Gardner. Um, and even with the podcast, the numbers are growing, the numbers are going up. So I'm like, okay, you're doing something right. People are listening to you for some odd reason. They keep listening to your podcast. They keep downloading your podcast. So eventually somebody here is say, hey, I want to invest in this guy. I want to be a sponsor, hopefully. Um, but even though that might happen, I still got to work on my end to reach out to raw bars, reach out to uh, restaurants and chefs and businesses who might want to be a sponsor to the podcast um so it's stuff like that where you got to do the work but you also got to do like you said the back work you got to do the leg work also so um it's all part of it like you just you can't just want it you do got to want it but you also got to do you got to follow the steps to work towards it also mm -hmm. do you see yourself ever having this be your full-time thing like I promise you, I promise you, if this podcast, if this thing ever is the, 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 the nitty gritty, like, because I would rather do my podcast and stuff, journalism stuff over shucking. I love this that much. Um, that's why I keep doing it. I've been doing this for like five or six years. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, of course, I have got some free stuff out of it, but it's not about the free stuff. I, like, I, I want this to generate income. Um, but yeah, if this, man, if this podcast ever starts making money, it's going to be a wrap. I promise yeah. you, it's going to be a wrap. I'm going to go really head in. Nice. Well, it's yeah. funny you say that you'd rather do the podcast over the shucking. Cause I see you as just this like badass shucker, just like yeah. all over the place. Um, but it reminds me of, I guess my own feelings about my business. I love shucking. I love oysters. I'm all about it. I love sharing out with people. But to be honest, I'm a pretty introverted, shy person, and I can do my events for like two or three hours and put on a show and like be really excitable and energetic and into it. But I need time after to recover. I got to go back yeah. into my little hole. Yeah, not people. I'm super, I just, it takes 
while I love doing it, it takes so much out of me. Um, so I honestly love, like, I'm looking forward to the day where hopefully my business takes off and I can make a bunch of money and I can go back to maybe farming and just be yeah. on a boat somewhere and just be dirty and swearing a lot and right. <laughs> things you can only do when you're at a party, you know, black tie event, shucking oysters. Mm -hmm. I mean, so. it's funny, it's funny you say that about, um, the whole introvert cause I am too. Um, but like my son came to me with, to one of my, uh, events and that was his first time seeing me in action. And when we got home, he was like, daddy, I've never seen you like that. Like mm -hmm. he was like full blown amazed. He didn't say anything until we got home, but he was like, I've never, you had energy and you were talking and laughing and, you know, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, it made me feel bad. I mean, it made me feel good because he's seen that, but it made me feel bad because I'm like, man, I'm not giving him, you know, my all. But I, I told him, I, I kind of tried to explain to him, like, you know, it's, it's like I'm putting on a show. Like people, they, they, they hire me to, um, to share an experience, you know? So I'm glad that that experience, he saw the experience, but it's, that's, that's not me. You yeah. Know? You know, it's funny, it's something you mentioned about your part of this experience. Um, going back to an earlier question, you're talking about like, what are some of the challenges or hard things? One thing is just kind of, there is, at least for me personally, kind of an emotional aspect to the catering in the sense that I'm, every weekend, I'm part of somebody's big life moment. And it's, on one, on the one hand, it's like, I feel honored that somebody is like, Hey, will you be part of our experience with us? But I'm also like, wow, every weekend I'm watching people like baby showers, engagements, weddings, all these big life things. And it definitely makes me have this kind of like, I don't know, these moments of like, what do I do with my life? Where am I going? <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm yeah. not married. I don't have a house. I'm not celebrating any babies or anything. I'm just like, right. my baby is my business. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's something that I love about my job is that I'm invited to these really intimate personal experiences, but it's also mm -hmm. challenging sometimes of like, okay, here's another wedding. Okay, here's another X, Y, Z. Yeah, know? I would definitely say um, in this last, I would say since COVID, um, the whole trucking thing has made me put uh, life and family in perspective. Like, that's why I was saying like, you know, the old me um, would get, upset, down, whatever, if I didn't, if I wasn't part of an oyster event, because I'm that oyster guy, mm -hmm. you know, like anything oyster I want to be part of. Mm -hmm. But like now I'm like, you know what? I get to stay home with my family. That's what's really important. You, you know, it's, it's not important that, you know, I'm part of this event or that the oyster ninjas featured or whatever, like family, like they only have me, um, you know, for a certain amount, I'm talking about my kids, you know, they only had me for a certain amount of time. So as much time I can invest in them, just as much as I invest in my business, you know, it's also important to invest in them. Uh, so I would definitely, for you, uh, say, reflect on what's important. Um, reflect on what you want to grow, not just your business, um, relationships, um, and, Take your time, take your mm -hmm. time because, you know, you, you want your business to grow, but you also don't want life to pass you by either, mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of the whole taking your time thing, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately and it's been a source of stress, to be honest, is the fact that there are other shuckers out there. Obviously, mm -hmm. this is not like a new idea, but um, 
it's this idea of like, I've had so many opportunities come my way in the past, like two months, like tons of business and trying to say yes, to keep up with my competitors and yes, to, to keep my company fresh and growing. But also I took a step, took a step back one day and looked at these opportunities. I'm like, these could be great for my business and money and this and that, but they're also going in different directions. Yeah. And I say yes to this, you know, can I physically do it? There's only one of me. Yep, and yep. I don't have a crew. I've got people who help out day of, but I don't have like a staff. Um, also major shout out to all my friends who've helped me so far. Like I literally wouldn't be here without my friends. <laughs> so, um, but you know, learning, I've been just contemplating like back and forth. Like, do I say yes to all these opportunities or do I just stick with what I'm, what I know and what I love and just do it really, really well. And it's made me think about like my dad, for example, he owned beer bars. He just served nice beer in nice bars and he did really well. Um, he had one of the biggest beer bars in New York city for like 20, 25, 30 years, just selling beer. Yeah. And it's this idea of keep it simple, do it well, do your thing. And, um, so that's what I'm focusing on now. It's like in the past week or two, I think we talked a couple weeks ago about doing this podcast. I'm like, let's circle back. Cause I'm in the middle of a bunch of things. Yeah, and yeah. I was just, I made this decision, like rather than expanding, I just want to focus on strengthening what mm -hmm. I'm doing right now. And like, what makes me different from other shuckers and other caterers, just focus yeah. on that and drive it home, which is also why I want to invest more time and energy in things like getting my message out there which might mean advertising. It might mean, I don't know, revamping my setup to communicate what it is about my company that makes me different. How can I really effectively communicate that? Because for some people it's like, oh, here's another shucker. She's just got like a cute bandana on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I wanna be a shucker, but also have a unique thing about my company and myself that sets me apart. And so that's what I'm focusing on these days, just strengthening that rather than expanding and saying yes to all this money and yes to all these people and all these opportunities. Just like, you could say, thank you. And, but still focus, you know? Exactly. And, you know, one thing that I've learned is, I'm not going to hold you, but Monday, like, I, I have, I've had that same dilemma um, where do I take the money just because I can do it? Or do, is this like, is this going to be, is this, is this going to help me grow? Is this, is this job sending me in a direction that I want to go? You know? Right. Yeah. It's um, especially in, I hate to say, but in today's economy, but really mm -hmm. in today's economy, like, can I afford to be saying no to money? Right. Yeah. You know? But the yeah. fact of the matter is I'm in a point in my life right now where I'm, you know, living at home with my mom, which is kind of, you know, I'm in, I'm in my early thirties and it's like, ah, oh, I'm living at home with mom for free. Like, am I a bum? But it's like, no, this is an incredible opportunity and privilege. So I have to use this to really grow right now while I have this chance, you know? Well, it's good that you have that mindset that you can realize like, this isn't me leeching, this is me, um, this is me being able to put a foundation on something that I'm growing. And without that stable foundation, you know, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make because if you don't have a stable foundation, it's gonna fall anywhere. So yeah. you, you're getting the groundwork in, I'm proud of you. Uh, I love your Instagram. I'm so glad that you took time to come out on the podcast. Um, and you're just right in some you. positive things, positive circles. I love it. And I love it for our oyster culture. I love it for our oyster community that we're both part of. And um, where can the people find you on social media? How can they reach out to you for their oyster catering needs? 
what area are you servicing? Don't come in DC because I don't want no problems, okay? <laughs> I would only come to DC to see you. That's, okay. that's it, I promise. <laughs> um, I'm on all the, all the socials, Facebook, Precious Oysters, Instagram, Precious Oysters, preciousoysters.com. Um, I'm gonna make some t-shirts pretty soon. People keep saying TikTok, but I'm like, ah, leave it to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see, maybe that's coming up soon. But um, yeah, and I'll just be shucking. I mostly do Fairfield County, Connecticut, sometimes New York, New Jersey. Um, basically, if there's people who want oysters, I try to help them out. And if I can't do it myself, then I have plenty of oyster friends all over the country that I can um, connect them with. Cool, and I'm gonna put you on the spot real quick. Um, let's say this is your infomercial uh, for Precious Oysters. Go ahead and sell yourself. This is your elevator pitch. Oh no, elevator pitch. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I'm Rachel Precious, owner and founder of Precious Oysters, local and sustainable tied to table raw bar catering service. I'm excited to check for you some beautiful, fresh local oysters. That was horrible, Rachel. That's horrible. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be night and high. That's joking. That's joking. That's perfect. <laughs> like, oh no. I mean, I clapped <laughs> in the middle. I think it maybe messed up my audio, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you see you soon, hopefully. Of course. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me.